Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. goes for that, doesn't get anywhere near it, real opportunity here, Lewandowski to Gabi, 3-0, Pedri arriving, converts it and Barcelona are running away with this, it's a bit of a humiliation for Real Madrid. Well as we heard there, a dramatic Clasico on Sunday night, hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown, I'm Sam Leveridge. And to celebrate Barcelona's success, there's nobody better to join me than Roman de Arquer, straight from Catalonia. Roman, how does it feel to be Spanish Super Cup champions? Well, it's uh, kind of a relief, I'd say, because it's been a while since, of course, we've won a, a trophy uh, here in Barcelona. It, it's been tough, you know, to, to get to this point. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy not just for the players, I'm happy for the club, I'm happy for the fans. I think it's something that... Uh, all of Barcelona really needed to look forward, to believe in Xavi, to believe in the squad, to believe that uh, we can um, make things work, do better in the future. So hopefully they can build up up, up on this and, and definitely very important and very happy to, to have won the, the Super Cup. Yeah, I mean, it was a complete victory as well, wasn't it? I mean, this wasn't just a win. It was a complete trouncing of Real Madrid, especially in that first half. It was the first time in 37 Clásicos, going all the way back to 2011, that Real Madrid failed to get a shot on target in the first half of the game. And, I mean, Barcelona just completely dominated, didn't they? Yeah, it was Barcelona from start to end. Uh, I mean, a lot of fans I was reading were very happy because it was probably one of the first or or few games where Barca have really dominated completely a match, you know, because there's been uh, moments this season of very good football, but it hasn't been consistent throughout. And there's been moments of, uh, there's been slumps, sorry, there's been moments where the team hasn't performed, uh, like maybe it performed in the first half and the second, you know, it would play worse, etc. So uh, it was good to see that all throughout the game, Barca could keep up a really uh, strong level of football. And I mean, we dominated the team. We dominated Real Madrid. Uh, we were the better side. The goals, the result proves it. And as you said, the stats, you know, because uh, Madrid uh, barely uh, got good chances in this game. And, and we're talking about a Barca who struggled to defend, even though their numbers in La Liga are pretty good in, in terms of goals against and all that kind of stuff. It's still a tricky stat, I say, because Barca do tend to uh, give out give away some important chances to their rivals. But in this game, uh, very few were given and, and we saw that the, the defence can also be uh, very consistent if they're really focused in the game. Yeah, I think the stat in the end ended up with Real Madrid. Obviously, they got that 
goal right at the death, almost mm-hmm. the last kick of the game. I think they had six shots on target in total, but the first one wasn't until the 70th minute. I think that was really when Barcelona kind of took their foot off the gas, realising this is the Super Cup. We don't need to, <laughs> to break one out of Alpha and everybody else who was carrying injuries. But, I mean, there were several big performances. I think one of them that we need to talk about is is Gavi. I mean, was this the best game he's played for Barcelona yet? Uh, definitely. I mean, there's been a lot of controversy in terms of Gavi, whether he deserved to win the Golden Boy and all that kind of stuff, whether Bellingham was better, whether Musiala was better, etc. Uh, and people, I think, were not really uh, taking or valuing you know, the, the quality that the Gavi has because he's an extremely good player. It's true that maybe he's not um, so good we could say going forward in the sense that comparing him sorry to Musiala or Bellingham where these guys constantly score goals because they're always around the box uh, Gavi doesn't tend to to be there as much but in this game he showed that he can also do uh, those kind of things you know with with the goal with the, those two assists he was constantly uh, looking for spaces forward to try and help his teammates feed them balls and as we saw in, in, in the end in this game with those two uh, goals he managed to provide and I mean Gabi is, is an exceptional talent he's super young still he's got so much to, de- to develop he's got such a future ahead of him and also he's got that character which maybe uh, Pedri doesn't have, for example, as much. You know, he's he's really intense all the time. He, you can tell that he's so passionate about every single minute he's on the field, and that's something uh, that I think differentiates him from from many other players. And that's a, a really good quality that Gabi has. So overall, I think he's he's a magnificent talent. And today he was for me the the MVP of the match, no doubt. Yeah, and Luis de la Fuente, the Spanish national team coach, went down into the pitch to give him his MVP award as well. So definitely fully deserved there. And another man who there are a lot of eyes on was Robert Lewandowski. And he'd, this was his third Clasico, if we include that friendly in the summer. And the mm. first time he scored and he completely dominated Antonio Rudiger in one of those kind of man-on-man battles that was going to decide this game. And he was just, his positioning was brilliant. He pulled the Real Madrid defence all over the place. And he just looked so powerful compared to the Real Madrid defence. I mean, Antonio Rudiger isn't a small guy. <laughs> He's not <laughs> weak or anything like that. But he really struggled in that battle. Roman, going forwards for Barcelona, this is Xavi's first title. But what does this mean for the rest of the season? Obviously, now a, a La Liga title race up against Real Madrid and also looking at the other competitions, the Europa League, the Copa del Rey. I mean, does this give Barcelona a bit of relief? Yeah, it gives belief. And at the same time, it also uh, probably requires them to do better in, in these competitions because now they're going to be expected to, to do a bit more because we can see that they can be- beat Madrid, they can win a title. Uh, so, of course, there's going to be maybe slightly more pressure on Xavi in a way. But at the same time, I think it's more of, of a beneficial thing because, you know, uh, the club kind of uh, takes something they had in their chest off and, and it's a bit of a relief, we could say. So going forward in these competitions, I think it's going to help, no doubt, and of course, as I said, we're going to expect them now to do much better. La Liga, of course, is going to be tough right until the end. Even though Madrid uh, have been going through a bit of a slump lately, we've seen it not just in this game. We've seen that their performances since a bit before the World Cup, uh, they were already dropping points. You could see that their football wasn't as fresh or, or as good as, as we'd seen before. So uh, definitely they're going through a moment. But I mean, they could easily get out of that situation and start winning and comfortably as they used to before so uh, it's going to go right until then I think there's going to be no comfortable winner in this uh, competition and in the Europa League I think Barca are expected to win it again like last season they were expected to win it they disappointed very badly but uh, it's football and and hopefully now this time they can actually uh, get further and, and win it of course and so let's turn our attentions 
to the other half of this final, Real Madrid. I mean, how much of this battle was Barcelona being brilliant and how much of it was Real Madrid being off the pace? They really didn't look their usual selves. Yeah, I think uh, there's quite a lot of that uh, related to, to Madrid's poor performance. I mean, of course, I don't want to take credit away from Barcelona because they played really well. They had really good ball control. They were generating. Uh, so, I mean, of course, Barca deserves a lot of credit. But it's true that, uh, as I said, of late, Madrid haven't been uh, as dominant, haven't been um, as capable going forward as they as they once were last season or at the start of the season, maybe we could say uh, they've really lost a bit of that punch. Uh, Benzema, who was uh, stunning, isn't as uh, maybe it doesn't seem as important, we could say, as, as he used to be. Uh, Benicius himself, he started off really good this season. He looked like he was going to explode and, and do kind of everything that he required from him in terms of going forward, scoring more goals, assisting. But then suddenly he's going through this. Uh, blockage, I'd say, and he's still obviously important for them, but he's not as as, as incredible as he was looking at once uh, this season. And I think overall the team is going through this situation where they just don't. I wouldn't say believe, of course, what Ancelotti says because Ancelotti is an experienced manager and he he knows what he's doing. But um, he, he needs to solve some problems there because I mean the, the squad should be capable of way more, and that's why I think this definitely had an impact on the game, you know, because Madrid just weren't capable at any moment to, to, to dominate the game, to, to close Barca down because, you know, they're capable usually of that, of those counter-attacks or doing damage uh, in various ways. But today wasn't the day for them. And I think that benefited Barca, of course. Yeah, especially midfield. I thought they looked really off the pace. And that was a tactical change that Carlo Ancelotti made, wasn't it? With, with no Rodrigo, no Marco Asensio, instead of putting Eduardo Camavinga in. But he came up at half-time for the second game in a row. Luka Modric, I think that's the worst. I remember mm-hmm. him seeing him play in a long time. I mean, I guess it's normal. He's 37 years old and he's been playing in the World Cup 90 minutes every game for Croatia almost. So it's normal to see him fade away, but that will be a concern for Carlo Ancelotti. And looking ahead at the next month, they have Villarreal away at the Ceramica, a game they lost in the league, and now they face it in the Copa del Rey. Then they have Athletic Club at San Mames. Then they have Real Sociedad at the Barnabal. And then Valencia, again at home. Mallorca is a tricky away trip. And then they have the Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this season really depends on the next three, four weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and the month of February sometimes tends to be a tough one to, for teams, especially with the World Cup in between. I think uh, that hasn't really helped anybody. Uh, players are more tired. Luka Modric, you were mentioning himself. Uh, I mean, he's played so many minutes in the, in the World Cup that now arriving to this key moment maybe uh, in in the competition because, I mean, you have to try and uh, avoid dropping too many points. Then he's not as fresh as you maybe want him to be and other players also uh, in a similar situation. So now they're going to have to, you know, uh, battle away through these games and, and, and scratch as many points as they can to, to not drop off too much. And I think in the end, you know, it's Real Madrid and, and they'll be there. They'll, they'll keep fighting. They'll keep getting uh, results, even if it's by a a close win or even if it's uh, you know a last minute goal that they tend to score uh, as, as the club they are so I mean we'll have to see what happens but it's going to be a tough run of games for them at the moment but I still think that Real Madrid have enough you know to, to compete and to fight for for important titles exactly that's going to be a very interesting few weeks ahead in La Liga in the Copa del Rey and also with Europe coming back in February as well it will be a very interesting period for all of these Spanish teams So with that, let's end part one there. We've talked about the Super Cup. We've been in Saudi Arabia. Now we'll take a very short break to travel back to Spain. 
where we'll talk about all the La Liga action. Starting off with a Basque derby where we're joined by Benyat Gutierrez to give us his take on exactly what happened at the Real Arena on Saturday night in another game which was almost as entertaining as that Super Cup final. Stay tuned. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Pisar la pelota, aguantar el esférico por dentro para Merino. Merino y Zubimendi, Zubimendi, Merino. Le ha creado el espacio, la pone Zubimendi. Saca Vivian. Ojo, Sorlo dentro del área, Sorlo. Gol, 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 and I am now joined by Benyat Gutierrez of the Choco podcast, which covers Basque football. Benyat, how are you after that suffering on Saturday night? I know you're an athletic fan. I mean, it must have been quite hard to take. Yeah, yeah the results were not the best, obviously. Um, but it, both were interesting games. And it's also interesting seeing how well, I would say, in general, Basque teams are doing it with an obvious king of Basque football right now, that is Real Sociedad. I mean, this game was quite a strange one because it was it was very intense. Both teams were really going for it. But do you think it was more that Real Sociedad were very good or was it that Athletic were very bad on the night? I mean, first of all, I think uh, this year Real Sociedad is being able to um, basically not need to uh, set uh, um, the the pace of the game or just 
you know, they don't need to dominate the game to score goals. And and that's that's very important. They have many quality players and they are able to just punish you if you make a mistake. And that was something that we could see clearly um, yesterday. At the same time, I think Atleti has some problems that are obvious that Valverde knows that Atleti has those problems. And I'm talking about the midfield. I'm talking about uh, the striker. But he's still not able to figure out what's the solution. We all know what the problem is, but the solution is not coming. And it seems actually the, that the team is going backwards, that it seemed a more um, brave team at the start of the season. And Valverde was taking more risks. Uh, he was putting more um, off- uh, offensive, talented players um, in the lineup. And he's not doing that. And he went back to, um, you know, Vesga and uh, Danny Garcia in the midfield. That is something that many. Athletic fans really hate, and uh, every time they got uh, pressure by Real Sociedad, that was a mess because they are they were not able basically to to deal with that. And I think honestly, at this point, what happened yesterday is uh, a proof of the difference between both teams. Real Sociedad is steps ahead of Athletic at this point. Yeah, and that must be hard to say, but Athletic did put up quite a tough. Right. I mean, Oikon Sunset got that goal just before half-time to make it 2-1. And it looked like maybe Athletic could come back into this game. But the game, the moment which changed the entire game was the penalty and the red card. You had Ay Alvarez kind of leaning in to Takekuba, who went down in the box. And it was a penalty and a red card because the referee considered that Yerai wasn't attempting to play the ball. What did you think, Benya? I honestly, I don't see the penalty or... Better said, I don't think that should be a penalty. But I, I think the issue is that we are getting used to see those things called in La Liga. And that's a problem. I, I was, you know, reading many people on social media being like, oh yeah, the classic La Liga penalty. It's just a soft contact and there, there you have it. And it's true that, you know, if he calls the penalty, obviously the red, cars, the red card goes with it. I think it's a problem for, for, for the league. Just besides what whatever happened with the game yesterday, I honestly think Athletic didn't have uh, a chance to, to beat Real Sociedad. And actually, this provides a very good excuse to justify what happened in the in the game. And like, oh, yeah, you know, the referee was, was helpful. And yeah, I think he was. Uh, but the problem for La Liga is that this is really hurting the reputation out there. Like, seeing these kind of penalties, against Athletic, against whoever, this is turning into a very common thing. And, you know, I honestly don't think football fans want to see that. don't want to see players send off and they want to see these soft penalties because, okay, yeah, it's true that Athletic wasn't playing great, but the result was still tight. Basically, with that decision, the game was over. Uh, And this is going to happen again if they keep this criteria. Yeah, I mean, I love the one of the Spanish words I love in football, penaltitos, little penalties. Oh, totally. <laughs> kind of very soft penalties that I think you're exactly right what you say. I don't think you'd get that penalty awarded in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or anything like that. And I saw a report from Archivo Valle who uh, do some excellent coverage of refereeing and they said that the, the Spanish Refereeing Association didn't think it should be a penalty. Yeah. So I guess we'll see next week if, um, if the referees are in action again or if they're putting the... In the nevera in the fridge, as the Spanish <laughs> like to say, when the referee doesn't make a right decision. But I mean, looking beyond this game, then Benya, I mean, it was 
obviously a huge result for both teams. But what are your predictions for both La Real and for Athletic Club between now and the end of the season? I mean, Real Sociedad currently sitting third and closer to Real Madrid than they are to Atletico in fourth. And then Athletic, of course, in that race for the European positions on 26 points from 17 games. But at the time of recording, there is Atleti on 28 points in 17 games, Villarreal on 17 games, 28 points, Osasuna on 27 from 17, Rayo from 26 on 17 as well. And Real Betis are in there as well. I mean, that's a lot of teams all fighting for the same two places in Europe, right? Yeah, clearly, uh, I see Real Sociedad fighting for the Champions League spot. Right now, they are one of the most exciting teams to see in Europe. And it's amazing what what they've done uh, to, to this point. Uh, without Oyarzabal for a long part of the season, it was coming back um, recently, yesterday. No, you had a chance to score the penalty and play some minutes. The main signing of their market, Sadiq, injured also, and they are still competing. It's, it, it's, it's amazing what they're doing. It is true that we've seen them um, in the past seasons that they struggle at the end of the year, that they have those months where they seem to run out of gas. But I, I'm seeing different things, and I'm seeing better things on... Uh, Real Sociedad's playbook that make me think that they are going to be able to to keep the pace until the, the end of the season. And for Athletic, I think it's going to be the same over and over again. Many things change, but the, the main issue is still there. Athletic is not able to to win with mat- when matters. And I think it's going to be close uh, to those uh, European competition spots, not Champions League, obviously, but uh, maybe Europa League or Conference. But but I have the feeling that it's not going to be enough. Um, this part of the season is really important. After losing yesterday, then there's uh, the Copa del Rey uh, game against Espanyol. And, and then you have Real Madrid, which is another game that you know, if everything goes normal, you're not going to win. So uh, the dynamic is really negative and Valverde needs to change uh, things sooner than later. Yeah, two teams definitely worth keeping an eye on through the end of the season. And, and as you say, Ben, yeah, I wonder if Mikel Ayorzabal and, and those players coming back from injury will help to keep those fresh legs going to the end of the season. They can avoid that end of season burnout we've seen from them before. Thanks for joining us, Ben, yeah, and hopefully Athletic will have some better news in the weeks ahead. Hopefully. Thank you. And it wasn't just in the best country where we had action in Spain this weekend. It was also across the country and we had one result in particular that stands out Roman Girona to Sevilla won a last gasp it was the 88th 89th minute the young Herrera scored the winner a deserved winner as well for Girona up against Sevilla the result does mean that as the results stand at the end of this weekend Sevilla really are in trouble they're in the relegation zone with 15 points from 17 games with a two-point deficit and also having played one game more than the two teams below them, Cadiz and Elche. What did you make of the game and are Sevilla really relegation candidates? I mean, they're there, so they have to be, you know. We, we can't um, not say they're candidates uh, despite the squad they have, the players they have, the team they've been these past few years. I mean, uh, the results are there. They're down at the bottom and the longer you're there, the harder it is to get out, to climb out, to crawl out, you know, because it's 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 a really 
tough position to be in. Uh, the pressure mounts, you know. Uh, we've seen the fans, how they're more and more unnerved. They're, they're not happy at all. They're complaining. Even Monchi, who's a legend uh, at Sevilla, is being questioned. Uh, things are going absolutely wrong for the club. Uh, they got that result uh, previous weekend where it seemed that maybe uh, they could kind of start getting or climbing out of, of the relegation zone. But again, now what happened the, the, well, the other day against uh, Girona, of course, that second goal where Nianzo, you know, made a massive mistake there, giving Girona the three points is just another horrible blow for Sevilla. And it's looking so, so bad for them, honestly. I mean, there's still time, you know, they have the transfer market now to bring in some more players they need. Uh, fresh legs there to try and change things, but uh, it's still going to be super tough for them. Yeah, one team who did benefit from that disappointment from Sevilla was Espanyol, who beat Hetafe in another one of the games between two teams down there at the bottom. And I mean, there was talk of Diego Martinez, the Espanyol coach, being under big pressure if this result didn't go their way. But there were two fantastic goals in the first five, ten minutes from Joselu, as always, for Espanyol, and then Enesunal for Hetafe. I mean, what do you make of these teams in that group, Roman? I mean, Getafe, Espanola are both down there fighting. Sevilla, Salta Vigo, Valladolid. I mean, who do you think is going to be the first of those teams to pick up and find some form? It's it's hard to predict. I mean, this season down there is pretty tightly packed. Uh, it seems like for a moment, for example, Valladolid before the World Cup, uh, they were starting to get good results. They were playing good football, good football. And then suddenly out of nowhere, after the World Cup, they just can't manage to, to recover that form they were in. And now they're again, they're dropping. Uh, Espanol have moments where they're playing good and it seems like they deserve a bit more. But then they struggle to get them, even though they finally got a good result against Getafe. I mean, that, that game was uh, the game of the Golazos, I'd say, because the three of them were, were fantastic goals. Worth uh, re-watching if our listeners haven't seen them. And it's 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 packing up very closely. Celta de Vigo do seem to be improving a little bit. So, I mean... There's a lot of teams, very few points separating them. And at the moment, it's just so hard to predict. I'd even say that teams like Girona, Mallorca, who are a bit higher up, Valencia, could also in no time drop down the bottom and be fighting for in that relegation zone. So at the moment, this is a very, very extremely exciting battle. Yeah, well, obviously, of course, Cadiz and Elche play each other on Monday night, the final game of the match day. But as things stand on Sunday night when we're recording this, Cadiz are 19th on 15 points. And if we go all the way up to Atletico Madrid in fourth on 28 points, that's a 13 gap, which is the same as Atletico have from leaders Barcelona in first. So, I mean, that's, what, 15 teams spread out across the same points as three or four teams at the top. I think that says it all. There's a lot of teams, especially mid-table, who could end up fighting for Europe but could end up battling relegation if the next few results don't go their way. And one of those teams who's kind of in that conversation is Osasuna. They beat Mallorca 1-0 um, on Saturday. And I think they're one of those teams who are always kind of in that group of not quite Europe, but maybe just if they fit some form. Do you think they could do that this season? I mean, I think it's going to be tough. There's there's a lot of competition. Uh, it depends on uh, what form we see from Athletic Club, Betis, Villarreal, etc. of late. Because, I mean, Athletic had a great start to the season with Valverde. They were really killing it. But then now they've maybe lost a bit of that uh, quality finishing off those chances they have and, and they haven't really been as reliable at the back either. Uh, but I mean, Osasuna, one way or another, they seem to be pretty consistent. They're getting, 
you know, there are wins, eight wins so far this season, which I think is fantastic for a team like Osasuna. And there is a chance. I think it'll be difficult, but there is definitely a chance. And if they keep up this level and they really make the most of their home ground, because I know that in past seasons, uh, Salah has been really a stronghold for them. Uh, they maybe lost a bit of that um, capacity of, of getting good results at home, but now they seem to be recovering the confidence where they play, when they're playing in front of their fans. So I think that could really help them if they want to achieve those uh, European positions. And as we're talking about Europe, um, the race for the top four and the fourth position in La Liga that nobody ever wants on this season, it's the same. We started off on Friday night with, with Villarreal, who've improved a little bit under Kike Setien in the, the last couple of weeks. But then against Celta Vigo, I mean, this was a strange game where they started the game well and then ended up being very, very lucky to walk away with a point. Absolutely. I mean, nothing to do with the Villarreal we saw against Real Madrid uh, not long ago. Um, it's true that Villarreal started off decently. They had good chances. They got the goal pretty quickly. Uh, but then, you know, once uh, they scored the goal, they kind of began to fade in terms of, of the football, in terms of the control they were having, in terms of generating chances. And as soon as Celta got their, the equaliser from there on, it was it was all Celta de Vigo, you know, and they were pushing. Uh, they had way more opportunities. They easily could have uh, taken the three points, even though it's true that Morales right towards the end did have that opportunity where he, when he hit the crossbar, uh, that could have really changed things for, for Kike Setien's players. But uh, I think Celta probably were the team to deserve more. So I think Setien will be very happy to have t- snatched that point uh, because there's still a long way to go. And, and you know, he's really changed things uh, at the moment uh, and in terms of how he came in, you know, with all those defeats and bad results. Now things are looking up for, for the team. They're playing good football in most games and they need to keep developing that, you know, because uh, Biarrela are a team that I think a lot of us expected to be fighting for the Champions League this season, despite that their uh, start maybe wasn't as incredible as we thought with, with the squad they have. But now, little by little, they'll hopefully be capable of building up from this and, and improving. Yeah, and the XG on that game was 2.46 for Celta Vigo against 0.11 for Villarreal, which is quite some difference. And <laughs> obviously, Jorgen Strand Larsen getting the goal, who's Tom Harris's favourite La Liga striker. If you haven't heard that in the past, he's a huge fan. And then another game where the XG perhaps didn't reflect the end result was Almeria Atletico Madrid, where the XG was 1.08 versus 2.08, but ended 1-1. Roman, from this game, I mean... It felt like Atleti had all the chances. It felt like if Jeffrey Condogbia had two brain cells and didn't decide to try and steal the goal of Marco Llorente on the goal line, Atleti could have won this game and they didn't. Yeah, it's it's a big surprise because, I mean, they definitely had the opportunities to, to win it. But, uh, well, you know, the team is going through a bit of a rough patch, we could say. Uh, we know that this isn't the Atletico... We all remember from Cholo Simeone how he's really led this team in all along all these years, and now this the team is going through this complicated situation, and even more complicated when you don't have the a player of the quality of Joao Felix or at least a replacement. Uh, we saw that he started Correa, who at the beginning of the season was was barely playing, you know. So this comes to prove that uh, there isn't really a reference up in attack except for Griezmann, of course, who's uh, been fundamental this season. But uh, I think Cholo definitely needs somebody else up there, you know, because if he doesn't trust. Morata uh, and if Correa you know he'll have some moments of good football but then again he can easily disappear uh, the way he came in uh, so I think that Atletico needs something 
up front, you know, to, to try and help them um, score those goals, finish off those opportunities, because as, as you said, they had the opportunities to, to win this game against San Maria, but unfortunately, whether it was Kondogbia or whether it was their incapability of scoring, it really uh, went against them. And now, of course, they dropped two important points there. Yeah, Morata and Correa both had a few chances as well, and defensively, they were all over the shot with Mario Hermoso and Axel Witzel in central defence with Osama Jimenez and Stefan Savage ruled out again through injury, which is kind of more surprising when they're both available than when they're both unavailable for Atletico of late. <laughs> and that will mean that Real Betis, who have that game in hand, could leapfrog both Atletico and Villarreal into fourth place, but that game in hand is obviously against Barcelona, so not a given that they will take the three points from that one. So, Roman, just to end on, what would you say is one of the surprises or the, the highlights of the weekend for you? I'm very happy for Girona because, I mean, they've managed to to not lose in the last seven games, which I think is a fantastic feat for a team that always uh, tends to struggle a lot. Well, struggle the few times they've been in, in the first division, we could say. All right then, Roman. So let's end on that note with the commentary from Yangel Herrera's uh, late winner. And we will hear it with some of the most impressive goal shouting that I've ever heard from Radio Air Sports in Catalonia. And make sure to stay tuned across La Liga Lowdown's channels, llonline.substack.com, where we'll have Tom Harris delivering us some analysis of the Super Cup final bright and early on Monday morning. And also on Twitter, where we have our transfer thread ongoing for the January window. We have weekly roundups on our Substack as well. So make sure to keep an eye out across all of our platforms. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 